Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 6 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. With me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our Director of Predictive Analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network Show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Gentlemen, in the words of the four non-blondes, what's going on? What's up, fellas? Uh, another interesting week. Some tilting bets going on for me, but uh, especially with that Chiefs game, because I actually took Chiefs money line. So I'm a fish for that one, but um, had some good calls as well. Uh, Watson, number two over Lamar, and, and uh, McCaffrey over Zeke. And I think we were all on, on that as well. But overall, I thought it was a pretty solid week. Well, speaking of good calls, Sean, I believe that for week five, you were the number one ranker at Fantasy Pros. Like I was saying before I came on, this is the time year I feel like um, I start to hit my stride. You know, we have a lot of turnover right now. Um, some, you know, at least a sample size to work with. So I was, I was glad to see that uh, finally pay off uh, this week. But I still have a ways to go to catch up to our current guest, currently number one. So uh, congrats on Pat for being uh, number one right now. Yeah, great timing uh, for having Pat on the show. We, are, of course, are talking about Pat Fitzmaurice. He's a contributor at thefootballgirl.com. As Sean mentioned, he is one of the top fantasy rankers at Fantasy Pros, has been for at least the past half decade, and the host of the Fitz on Fantasy podcast. Fitz, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, of course, I am just keeping the Iron Throne warm for Sean, who's <laughs> going to be there eventually. And uh, yeah, sitting here with you three, I basically feel like the kid whose celebrity mom finagled my way into Harvard. So I'm just going to try to act like I belong and uh, you know, hopefully everyone else will be fooled too. No, no you're being too modest. Yeah. You definitely belong, man. Uh, in this episode, we are breaking down the players at the top of our rankings, which, by the way, are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on. We're speculating on some props, and at the end of the show, we're answering some of your Twitter fantasy questions. Uh, Pat, week five, a prolifically high-scoring week. What stood out to you the most from this weekend? I'm just totally sold on the Gardner Minshew, DJ Shark connection. You know, no reservations anymore about DJ Chark. And I was reluctant to embrace the new fact of his stardom. I mean, he's just fabulous. And I don't see how the Jaguars can possibly go back to Foles when he gets back from his injury. Like, I think Gardner Minshew is their future. It's just crazy to think that. And I think the other one, doing rankings, it's always volume over matchup. That that's sort of a, a tenet of like good ranking, like you don't freak out about matchups if a guy is getting bankable volume. And I think we saw that with Josh Jacobs this past week. So I didn't expect that sort of game. I expected like a productive game, but maybe something along the lines of like 17 for 80 and, and maybe a touchdown. But he just ran all over the Bears and it was fun to see. 
You mentioned Gardner Minshew. Let's get into the the quarterbacks. Uh, I imagine that Sean is also pretty high on Gardner Minshew. But uh, at the top three, we have Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. I imagine that is a fairly consensusy top three. But Fitz, where are you on those three guys? Is there anyone uh, instead of one of them that you would be including in the top three? It's uh, it's those three for me too. Just looking in from the outside would be Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. The the Kyler matchup looks really exciting, but I can't get away from those as the top three. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Russell Wilson there. He's someone I'm relatively high on this week. I'm impressed with Seattle. The efficiency with their offense has remained intact from last season. We've seen Tyler Lockett continue to uh, produce with his targets. DK Metcalf has been a really nice addition. And then Will Disley, I think surprised, but really continued what we saw out of him early last season. Uh, And I think that's bolstered what we can expect from uh, Russell Wilson. So uh, impressed with Seattle, not terribly impressed with Cleveland's defense. So I'm relatively high on Russell Wilson. Pat, anyone else that you are relatively high on at the quarterback position? I think relative to the consensus right now, I'm higher on Jared Goff than other people. It just feels to me like a good spot. For one, I think the narrative on Goff is pretty negative, and it's understandable why. I mean, he's got this ramped up pass volume, but the efficiency has just plummeted, and he hasn't looked especially sharp. But I think this is kind of a good spot. Coming off a loss, coming home, 10 days rest for a 49er team that you know, just played a big Monday night game. Seems like kind of a good spot, a get right spot for the Rams. Maybe a little extra time for McVay and, uh, you know, Goff to kind of go back to the drawing board and correct some of the things that have been going askew for them. I would imagine that, you know, Brandon Cooks will be able to get out of the concussion protocol with 10 days between games instead of the usual nine games instead of six. So I'm, I'm kind of high on him. I might even take a look at him in DraftKings at, at a pretty affordable price. You know, think the spot is a good one for him. Sean, uh, Gardner Minshew, I believe that you are pretty high on him. Uh, what are your thoughts there and then anyone else you're looking at? Yeah, so Gardner Minshew, I'm pretty much in line with what uh, Pat was saying. Um, he's a guy, admittedly, I was pretty low on the past few weeks. Um, you know, his first few starts, he, he counted for 100% of the Jags' touchdowns. Um, so I was typically higher on Fournette than most people. And I figured, you know, some of that touchdown share would shift to Fournette. But, you know, Minshew was really impressed, especially last week. Um, like Pat mentioned, the connection of DJ Chark is for real. And, you know, right now, Minshew's, um, he's only 5K on DraftKings, um, which is really low for this slate. So um, he's probably going to be my main cash quarterback. I think he's a pretty safe play there. Uh, I'm not sure he has, you know, QB1 upside, but um, he's certainly going to, you know, put up decent stats. And, you know, the matchup against the Saints isn't great on paper, but if you look, he's faced some tough defense of the past few weeks, Titans, Broncos, and even Panthers. Um, So he's proven that he could put up useful stats um, against tougher defenses, and he has that sneaky rushing upside. So um, he just has the optimal blend for for like a streaming-type quarterback and a potentially cheap cash game option on DraftKings this week. So I'm pretty high on him. Right now I have him as QB12. I think that's going to be pretty close to ECR, but, you know, the past few weeks, like I said, I've been kind of low on him. So I've, I've kind of um, boosted him up in my model um, after last week. Rayvon, who's someone that you're looking at? I like Matt Ryan this week and the ECR right now, he has, he's at number five, so it's not big, but I have him at number four. I believe we all do actually. So the Falcons have been struggling 
on both sides of the ball, especially early in games. And it's just added up to, as Pat kind of alluded to, a ton of passing volume uh, for Matt Ryan. Now they get to go and, and they play the Arizona Cardinals. It's expected to be a close game. They're two-point favorites. The total has uh, risen. It's, it's about 52 uh, right now. And if this game gets away from the Falcons, if they make any type of mistakes uh, early on in the game, I mean, the volume could really explode when you consider the, the play volume going back on the other side with that Cardinal defense. So I love Matt Ryan in this spot. love Kyler as well. But um, Ryan, I think just with the weapons he has and the pass volume, uh, it, it's going to be an every week thing for him. The, the run game is really struggling. So love Matt Ryan as a top four QB this week. Yeah, Ryan is uh, number one in the league in completions, tied for second in passing touchdowns. Uh, a lot of potential upside there going against a Cardinals defense that is still without number one cornerback Patrick Peterson. Uh, Pat, who is someone you are relatively down on at the position this week? I mentioned that Rams 49ers is a, a good looking spot for the Rams and for Goff. I, I think by the same token, it's kind of a bad spot for Jimmy G. The Rams defense pass defense is probably better than it showed so far. And I, I think they're um, lighter on sacks than I thought they'd be. They've only got like 11 right now. But I think they're going to put heat on a stationary target like Jimmy G. He doesn't really have a wide receiver he can lean on, even though he's got, you know, a terrific tight end in George Kittle. I'm, I'm just not real high on him as a, a starting option this week. I think there are going to be better weeks to play him, but this probably isn't one of them. Sean, what about you? Who are you looking at? Um, so I'm down on Carson Wentz this week. Uh, right now I have him as my QB 18. Um, and just last week I had him as my QB 5. You know, the Eagles had a 28.5 uh, team total. And then, you know, we flip over to this week and their team total is around 20, uh, which is about 1.5 points higher than the Miami Dolphins. So I think when you, when you think about the lower touchdown odds for Wentz, you know, it's a tougher matchup at Minnesota. Um, you really don't like seeing his trend, um, you know, where he has uh, the past two games, he's, he's failed to throw for over 200 yards. Um, and he has this really brutal stretch um, at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo, and then at home against the Bears coming. So I'm saying, you know, if you can, I would try to sell high on Wentz right now. But this week, um, I think he's a sit option um, in season-long fantasy. And, you know, he's ridiculously overpriced on DK. Right now he's 6K, so he's an auto-fade for me this week. All right, Raymond, who is someone you are looking to stay away from? Uh, I'll be short because it's the same thing. It's Carson Wentz. I have him about five spots lower uh, for all the same reasons Sean mentioned. Just a tough matchup in Minnesota. And Mike Zimmer, uh, the under for a Mike Zimmer coach team with that Vikings defense, hits at about uh, over a 60% clip going all the way back to when he first started coaching the team uh, per bet lab. So, um, again, that's just a, a lowered touchdown probability, which really affects quarterbacks who, as we talked about last week, track very well with implied team totals. So when those plummet, the quarterback touchdown odds plummet, uh, you have a, a guy on the other side in, in Cousins who we don't know if they'll really continue to throw the ball at a high clip. So it could just be a lower scoring game overall because opposing quarterback production also correlates. So um, kind of a, a dangerous spot for Wentz this week. So uh, one person I'm looking to stay away from a little bit is Tom Brady, and he's not on the main slate playing on Thursday Night Football. And this, like, I still have Brady ranked pretty high, but I have him behind uh, Russell Wilson and behind Kyler Murray. So it's just kind of, you know, I'm down on him, quote unquote, like by a matter of degree, not really like a substantial downgrade. Um, 
the Patriots are huge favorites, so I'm just a little bit unsure of how much they're going to need to throw the ball. I could see it being a pretty big uh, rushing game uh, for the, the backs there. So just a little bit down on Brady. Sean, I want to kick it to you to give us our quarterback prop for the week. By the way, everyone should check out the Fantasy Labs player props tool uh, that we have. For the season, the bets with a grade quality of 10 uh, are 61% for a hit rate, which is pretty good. Bets with a great quality of nine are 62%, very similar. So we are really doing well with that product. Uh, so everyone check that out. Sean, what is an early uh, prop line? Obviously prop lines haven't been released yet, but yeah. what are you kind of thinking about for the quarterback position this week? So last week I floated Adam Thielen out there. Uh, we, we kind of pondered that he was going to get the squeaky wheel treatment this week and that proved to be true. Uh, so this week I'm going to turn it over to Kirk Cousins. Um, this is a matchup where, you know, I think it's going to be wise for the Vikings to kind of emphasize the passing game a bit more this week. So I'm having a little trouble kind of settling on a, a projection for him. Um, but right now my over-under is uh, 243 and a half uh, passing yards. That's a good line. I have him two yards under that. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not really going to say I disagree with the, the <laughs> line, but I'll go under just because we know those unders tend to hit a bit more than the overs do generally. So I'm, I'm going with the under here. Pat, do you have a lean here? Sean said a really good number there, but if I'm going to put my money on something, it's going to be on the stubborn conservatism of Mike Zimmer, Kevin Stefanski, and Gary Kubiak. So I'm going to go under. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Couldn't really have phrased it better. I'm not significantly under. I'm in the, mm -hmm. the 230s, so relatively close, but uh, I'm, I'm still going to lean under here. Let's talk about running backs. The players at the top of our rankings, and this is probably fairly consensus E. We have Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, you can maybe make an argument for, uh, for Alvin Kamara in there, but uh, those are the top three that we have. Pat, where are you on your top three? I've actually got McCaffrey, Elliott, and Kamara just ahead of Cook. Difficult matchup for Cook with the Eagles' run defense, and I know they use him enough in the passing game to sort of negate that a little bit. But I feel a little bit better about Kamara this week, not even necessarily about matchup. And maybe the Vikings do decide to try to really attack the Eagles' secondary. I kind of doubt that's what happens, but you know, I, I just don't see anyone being able to make a lot of hay against the Eagles just with the straight running game. So, you know, I don't know what 15 to 20 carries for Dalvin Cook would net on the ground. You know, he's going to have to do something in the passing game to get into the top three. All right. So you are looking at Kamara. Who is someone else you are relatively high on at the position? I guess relative to everyone else, I'm, I'm pretty chalky at running back this week, but I maybe like Philip Lindsay a little more and I'm, you know, still believing that Lindsay is the better player than Royce Freeman. And I think the Broncos recognize that to a degree, if not in the workload split, then at least in the fact that they are giving Lindsay the valuable touches inside the 10 yard line. And, you know, I think it's better to go against Tennessee, better to attack them on the ground, maybe where uh, they're giving up 4.4 a carry. They've only allowed two touchdowns so far, but maybe that's, um, you know, kind of a variance thing, whereas they're averaging 6.9 yards uh, per pass, giving that up. So they're pretty tough to throw on. You know, I like Lindsey in the home spots. I like the Broncos to probably try to cover up Joe Flacco, which is always a good offensive strategy. And um, so, yeah, I'm a little higher on Lindsey than consensus. All right, Sean, uh, who are you relatively high on this week? 
so I'm going with both running backs in the, the toilet bowl this week between the Dolphins and uh, Redskins. So this might be the only time I mentioned Kenyon Drake this year, so might as well take this opportunity. But, you know, the, the Dolphins are less than a touchdown underdog here, so I think it's going to keep them in the game. And we've seen Kenyon Drake um, sort of get spelled, you know, in the fourth quarter when they're down by 30 points. They, they take him out of the game. So I think he has some upside I'm in playing the entire game, um, which should be a competitive game, uh, so to speak. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, Adrian Peterson, Redskins fire Jay Gruden. And, um, you know, the interim head coach, Bill Callahan, already mentioned that they haven't been running the ball enough. So I think that could mean um, they're going to feed AP here. And again, you know, this is a rare time the Redskins are going to be favorites. So um, this is a perfect game script for uh, Peterson. So I, I'm kind of high on both guys. Um, just, just given this horrible matchup, I think this is the time. Um, if you're ever going to play these guys, it'd be this week. Yeah, if you're looking at Adrian Peterson's splits since he joined the Redskins uh, and the games in which Washington hasn't been totally destroyed, Peterson has had actually serviceable production, uh, even though it doesn't uh, really look like it. Rayvon, who are you looking at this week? Uh, there's a few running backs I'm higher than the consensus on. Starting with Leonard Fournette, uh, I have him at number six. Looks like the consensus is number eight right now. You have to go back to that volume, and it with Fournette, it's just been the snaps, and it's been the the, the overall backfield touches. He's got uh, 102 of 114 uh, backfield touches for the for the Jaguars. And this is a, a matchup that could be a little bit high scoring, but either way should be close because uh, I don't see the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater necessarily running away uh, from the Jaguars. So it could kind of play out like last week's uh, Jack's Panthers game. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I have him seven. ECR has him at 13. Uh, like I know it, the offense is rough for Le'Veon Bell, but um, we just saw the Cowboys give up a gazillion yards and I think that Bell, he's still getting all the use. He's still getting a ton of usage in the pass game. Over 80% of their backfield carries. Ty Montgomery barely mixing in. So I think the Jets will be able to kind of move the ball a little bit. And if they do, we kind of dink it and dunk it with Bell, who still has one of the top uh, volume projections, I think, in the league. And then on Johnson. I have him at uh, 11. ECR has him at 14. Ever since they released C.J. Anderson, the Lions – on Johnson, 20 carries and then 26 carries. He's averaging 23 uh, since they released CJ. 46 of the 57 backfield uh, carries over that span in those two games. So um, this is a matchup where I think Carrion uh, can make some hay. I think uh, last week, you know, everyone was kind of expecting Zeke to go haywire against the, the Packers uh, because they got run over by the Eagles. But I thought the Packers would play it a little better just because they usually stay in like their, their pass up package, like their nickel, their dime or whatever, and put a lot of D-backs on the field. But against Zeke, you're not going to really do that. Against the Lions, who kind of have a little bit more of a – uh, you know, threatening, I think, passing attack. They'll play it a little more uh, like they've been playing it before and take their chances. So I think Carry On um, is in line for another big game and another 20 carry game. So like those three guys, Fournette, Bell, and Carry On Johnson. All right, one guy I am still relatively high on is Austin Eckler. And with the return of Melvin Gordon, uh, eventually we're going to see Austin Eckler have fewer uh, fewer snaps, fewer opportunities. But last week he still had a 66% snap rate, uh, which is pretty high. They used him uh, prolifically in the passing game. And Melvin Gordon honestly didn't look that great. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to work his way back into playing shape. So I expect that Eckler is still going to have a pretty significant role moving forward uh pat who are you relatively low on 
I think Andy Reid kind of swerved me and maybe some other people in making me believe that LaShawn McCoy was his main man in that backfield and that it was going to be Damian Williams and Daryl Williams just sort of mixing in behind McCoy once Damian Williams got back from injury. Uh, McCoy had 10, 11, 8, and 11 carries, zero last week, only two targets and two catches, only played 22% of the snaps, same as Daryl Williams, and Damian kind of dominated usage with 56% of the snaps. So it's hard for me to get on board with McCoy's running back two ranking for this week. I'm, I'm definitely fading that. All right, Sean, what about you? Last week, I, I said I was low on uh, Mark Ingram. I, I said that, you know, he can't keep up this touchdown pace. So sure enough, he scored a goal line touchdown. So I'm going to just have to double down again this week. Um, and, you know, just mentioned, you know, despite the touchdown, he only put up 49 total yards. So I think he's his value could bottom out any given week. Um, and, I, you know, I still treat him as a solid RB2. But I think if, if you're in a season-long league, if you can swap him out for, um, you know, someone that treats him as an RB1, I say do it now. However, I, I do like his matchup this week, so I think his, his touchdown odds are pretty good. But when he's priced um, exactly the same as a guy like Leonard Fournette, who Raybon pointed out, you know, he, he's a workhorse back. He's a guy that deserves a price that high. Whereas Mark Ingram, you know, he's he's fairly touchdown dependent um, in this offense. So he's another guy I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down this week, probably fade him completely in DFS and just hope he doesn't get another goal line touchdown this week. All right, Raybon, what about you? A stout defense that I want to fade is the the Vikings. So Jordan Howard, uh, ECR has him at 25 right now. I have him at 33, so more as a, a low-end flex play. Uh, the Vikings have allowed only 3.59 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Uh, you know, David Montgomery, 21, 21 for 53 in week four. Uh, Jonathan Hilleman, nine for 20 last week. Uh you know, only Aaron Jones is really um, able to get anything going uh, against that defense. Devonta Freeman also uh, eight for 19. So, you know, they, they have the potential to kind of stack Howard up. And, you know, Howard is a guy he's still splitting those reps with, with, with Miles Sanders. And I know they said, hey, we want to give Howard a couple more carries. But against this defense, it doesn't mean as much, especially when the touchdown probability is lowered as a underdog on the road. It's just a bad spot. Uh, for Howard, so I'm treating him more as a low-end flex this week. <laughs> I am relatively low on uh, Le'Veon Bell, I should say, uh, and I, I get the, the points that Chris made, and I imagine I'm going to adjust him up a little bit just because he does get a ton of opportunities, but I'm still relatively down on the uh, the Jets' offense as a whole, and although they get uh, Sam Darnold back, I'm a little uncertain as to how much of a difference uh, that is going to make, so uh, still relatively down on Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Sean, what prop do you have for us? So I'm going uh, with Melvin Gordon, uh, total rushing and receiving yards this week. I think this is um, an interesting situation for us to be projecting, um, you know, as he phases into this offense and possibly takes over Eckler. But right now I have his uh, over under at 77 and a half. Uh, so that's total rushing and receiving yards. Uh, I'm going over. Uh, I have him a little bit over than that. Uh, I think last week w was a weird week because they kind of fell behind really early. Gordon still did get a, a ton of the rushing work, and Eckler was getting a lot of the receiving work. This is the game uh, against Pittsburgh where it kind of sets up uh, as one that shouldn't get away from the Chargers. Now, you would probably think that about Denver too, so you never say never, but um, this game shouldn't get away from the Chargers. I think both will get high usage. Being that Gordon got the what, 12 carries to Eckler's four this week, you know, he gets a few more snaps. He'll probably still, he's, he'll still get some work in the receiving game, so um, have him a little bit over that number. 
I think I'm going to go just under with this one. I mean, I, I'm kind of with Raybon on that thinking, but I, I feel like Eckler is sort of entrenched in his role and is not going to uh, quite go back to the same, I don't know, I don't see it being the same usage split we saw last year. I think Eckler has a slightly bigger foothold now. And, um, you know, that's a really good number, but I think just under is the slightly better percentage play. Uh, I'm with Fitz. Uh, I'm taking the under just slightly, though. I'm around 75 yards. So I think that's a, a pretty good line. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Speaking of animals, we're joined by CSU Ram 88, also known as Peter Jennings, that's his real name, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, your Broncos got the Pyrrhic victory in week five. They will do just well enough this year to prevent themselves from uh, being able to get a top-tier quarterback in the draft. So that is exciting. Other than that, how is week five for you? Uh, week five was hashtag team sex, other than freaking Broncos winning when they need to lose, but was all in on Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson and had the best week of the year and really excited for week six. Did you have uh, Mari Cooper, I'm assuming? I did have tournament shares of Amari Cooper, but yeah. not, not my best lineups were uh, Deshaun Watson, McCaffrey, Fuller with Ridley running it back. Um, so that, that worked out well. Yeah. All right. So for week six, uh, it is a narrower main slate because we have four teams on by and then the London game is earlier on Sunday. So it is off the slate. Uh, how do you think you are approaching cash games and GPPs? Yeah, you like you mentioned, a more narrow range of games. You have two games specifically that stand out in a big way. They're going to be heavily owned. So in tournaments, if you can find a game outside of the Kansas City-Houston and Arizona-Atlanta game that you like, there's a ton of value from a leverage standpoint in getting game stacks outside of those two games. And then cash, I mean, you're looking at players in those games, two totals over 50, uh, and a lot of plays that I really like. All right, let's start at quarterback. Who has caught your eye? Yeah, so all four quarterbacks there, you know, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes at the top, they make a ton of sense. Love Kyler Murray, love Matt Ryan. Uh, outside of that, my favorite quarterback is probably Lamar Jackson, who has a great matchup for Cincinnati. Also don't mind Dak Prescott going against the Jets. Uh, for a shortened slate, you have really, really nice quarterback options. If you want to punt, I don't hate Gardner Minshew, but uh, I just named seven quarterbacks. I think the highest equity ones are the first four. At running back, who are you looking at? So running back is really interesting. I think Leonard Fournette stands out. He's just getting so much volume, even against a tough defense. I like Leonard Fournette at home. Uh, you have the interesting situation with Todd Gurley against his 49ers defense that I really respect. But, yeah, it's a trickier week at running back. Uh, I think you're clearly looking to, you know, Fournette, Gurley, Le'Veon Bell as high equity plays. Uh, as a tournament option, there's quite a few guys I like. I hope Kenyon Drake uh, has a really big game. I'm really eyeing him in tournaments. Obviously, the Dolphins have been terrible, but now they're going against another terrible team in the Redskins. On DraftKings at 4,400, Kenyon Drake makes a lot of sense with his catching upside. All right, what about wide receiver? So I love wide receiver this week. There's a ton of plays that I think are awesome. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley. You know, Tyree comes back. He's great. Uh, basically, the game uh, presents a lot of really nice options. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders at 4,800 is popping in the models. Robbie Anderson makes a lot of sense at 4K in tournaments. There's a, quite a few plays. And one guy that's just not getting enough credit 
through the season is sharp for Jacksonville. Still only 5,500. He's a top five receiver so far in average points per game on DraftKings. Uh, I think I'm going to have some shares of him for the first time, which feels awful. I, I've been wrong and have not had enough invested in Shark. has just been awesome, and I'm going to try to correct that going forward. All right, finally, tight end. Who do you like there? I'm going to go back to George Kittle for sure. 5,200 is way too cheap. Saw his upside uh, on Sunday night uh, against the Rams. I think thought to throw in L.A. So really like George Kittle quite a bit. I think Austin Hooper is also going to be somewhat chalky of Travis Kelsey. Outside of that, if I'm getting a little sneakier, Gerald Everett, 3,600. I think he makes sense. Uh, really nice uh, game the other night. Uh, you know, the Rams obviously win. He goes for seven catches, 136 yards. 3,600 for San Francisco. I think he makes sense. And one other cheap guy that's going to bust out at some point this year is my own Denver Bronco, Noah Fant. Only 2,900. Broncos want to get him the ball, and it's a ridiculous athlete. So both those punts, I think, are interesting if you're not going to play Kittle, Kelsey, or Hooper. If you were looking to game stack, one of the games outside of Kansas City, Houston, and Arizona, Atlanta, which one uh, do you think might be the one that has the most leverage it's going to be interesting to see how this Minnesota-Philadelphia game shakes out. The concern, obviously, is Minnesota wants to run the football, but the Eagles have been a, a funnel. They're going to give up more passing yards than they are rushing yards. Maybe Minnesota breaks that trend, but if Minnesota's forced to throw. I really like that game, and uh, obviously it's not quite the same high total, but I think there's some sneaky shootout upside, especially if the Eagles get up early. And then I'll also point out, I, I do think this L.A.-San Francisco game has a little bit of potential. Um, San Francisco is running the ball so much, which is concerning, but two offenses that could play really well, and this will be the best offense that the 49ers have faced. So I'm just curious to see how the Rams play, and that's another sneaky shootout game. All right, that was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week six. Okay, let's talk about wide receivers. There might be a little bit more flexibility or debate on the top three here, uh, but right now we have Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Thomas as the three at the top of our rankings. Pat, who are you looking at in your top three? It's those three, and in that order, I've been guilty of under-ranking Michael Thomas in recent weeks, thinking that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be a drain on his uh, production, but that hasn't been the case. You know, he's just uh, Teddy's lifeline, really, back there. And so I'm definitely getting away from the philosophy that Thomas is going to have his value uh, reduced by having Bridgewater as his quarterback. All right, so you like those three. Who else do you like this week? Um, relative to everyone else, I think I'm higher on Kenny Galladay. You know, I'm, I'm not running away from that Packers matchup. And the Jair Alexander matchup, we just saw Mari Cooper eat and uh, really could have had an even bigger game against Alexander. I mean, Alexander is a good young cornerback, but – you know, with the kind of size mismatch that uh, Galladay is going to pose to him, I still think Galladay can go over. And, um, you know, I, I really don't want Sean to be the only one to have the fun of that Redskins-Dolphins game. So I want to mention, like, Preston Williams as possibly a flex play. I think I've got him ranked in the low 40s this week. Um, you know, 21 catches through four games. That's a team high. And – not that Josh Norman is like some super fearsome shadow corner anymore, but I do think he's likely to go against Devontae Parker, leaving Preston Williams against Quentin Dunbar, and I think that's a matchup Williams can win. You know, I've just been impressed with him so far as, you know, a, a undrafted free agent who looks like he's going to be a quality possession receiver, 4,100 on DraftKings. If I'm looking to cut corners at wide receiver, like that's where I'm starting. Yeah, really interesting there on Preston Williams. 
I think he's, you know, in terms of just the talent that he has, uh, much more than the typical undrafted free agent was a five-star recruit going into college and had a big final season uh, at Colorado State. So uh, some big enthusiasm around him. And then also Josh Norman for the past few weeks hasn't even been used in shadow coverage. I, I think the Redskins realized how big of a liability he has been, and they've just decided that they actually don't want him one-on-one against uh, opposing number one receivers. So, yeah, I think a, a pretty good situation all the way around for uh, Preston Williams, minus the fact, of course, that he is on the Dolphins. Sean, who are you looking at this week? Um, so the guy I just wanted to give a shout-out to is Mohamed Sanu. Um, I was plus 12 on him uh, last week's uh, on uh, Fancy Pros. I think that had a lot to do with my first-place finish. You know, this guy, he's continually underrated. Um, you know, just because he serves a certain purpose – um, you know, he's a guy that's, he's never going to really put up massive numbers. He's not a guy you're going to really use in a massive GPP on say DraftKings um, and, you know, try to get a massive score. He's a guy, um, especially this week, he could be a very cheap, you know, cash game type wide receiver. He has a very high floor. Um, and, you know, in season long leagues where we have four teams on a buy, um, he can act as a very useful wide receiver three or potentially flex play. His strength is, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get four to five catches for, you know, 40 to 60 yards and like a 30 to 40% chance of a touchdown. And I think that is sort of valuable um, in certain formats. So I think he's a guy that just never gets any love. I just have to, you know, highlight him this week. But um, he's a guy I'm pretty high on this week with this matchup against the Cardinals. It should be higher tempo matchup, um, which could result in more plays and more plays um, you know, creates more volume for uh, Sanu. So I think that that helps him as a really high floor play this week. So um, if, if you're in certain formats, I think he's a great play this week. I know, think about this. We have a Falcons offense, which already throws more than anyone else in the league and just in terms of volume uh, in a situation where they could have more plays than they normally do. So a lot of uh, potential passing goodness for that offense. Raybon, uh, who do you like this week? Uh, I like Tyler Boyd a lot. Uh, I have him at number 10. Uh, ECR is at number 13. I'm not exactly scared off by this Ravens matchup uh, on the road. If anything, I think the Bengals will um, probably be down in the game and have to throw. And Boyd is still their, their number one guy. And uh, if you look at just what the, the Ravens have been giving up, they've been getting kind of toasted by these inside-outside guys who can play in the slot. Uh, Juju, seven catches on seven targets, 75 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, eight catches on 10 targets for 167 uh, the week before. Uh, you had both Cardinals, uh, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald uh, go over 100 on the on this Ravens defense as well. So Tyler Boyd's been a guy who has been popping for a bunch of super high volume games. And uh, he had one clunker on Monday Night Football, uh, but he's had two 10-catch games already. So as long as A.J. Green's out, I think Tyler Boyd uh, always has the potential to lead the league in catches in any given week. All right, I'm going with uh, Cooper Cup, and this is uh, correlated with uh, Fitz's call for Goff. Uh, he's just peppering Cup with a ton of targets, and uh, I think Cup has an underrated matchup in this slot against Kwan Williams, who has a high PFF coverage grade, but it's based on a small sample, and Godwin, Boyd, and Juju have all had good games against the 49ers in weeks one through three, uh, so I think it's a pretty good situation for Cup. Uh, so I actually have him, I believe, at number three in my rankings, which is probably a little bit aggressive, but uh, I, I don't mind being high on him because uh, I think he has the volume to support it. Pat, who is someone you are relatively low on? 
I'm not crazy, or at least not as crazy as uh, other rankers seem to be on Tyler Lockett. You know, even though the matchup looks like a fairly decent one, especially if Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams continue to be out for the Browns. But I'm a little frustrated with the volume that Lockett has been seeing. He's been four or fewer targets in three of their five games so far. Granted, the other two, he was in double figures with his targets, but it's just hard to rely on, you know, that sort of hit or miss volume. Hard to diss a guy after the catch he made last week. That was just uh, marvelous. But at 6,400 in DraftKings, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be putting him in any lineups. And certainly I'm not kicking him out of my starting lineup in any league uh, he's going to be playing. But I think the expectations might be a little out of line for him. Odds maker, who do you uh, dislike this week? Well, I wouldn't say I dislike him, but um, I'll probably be fading Will Fuller this week. Um, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that he's the type of guy I like to buy low on. Um, so when he's struggling a bit, um, but, you know, we're seeing the snaps and he's healthy. He's a guy I love buying low. And last week I had him in my main um, single entry stack uh, with Watson and uh, Fuller. Um, so, you know, after his massive 14 catch, 217 yard, three touchdown game. Now he's 6K. Um, and I will admit this is a great matchup against the Chiefs. I think he's the type of guy that uh, I'm willing to fade just because of his um, in- inconsistent nature, so to speak. So uh, I think this could be a week where we see a DeAndre Hopkins eruption game, um, sort of like we saw with Mike Evans in week three, Devontae Adams week four, uh, and Will Fuller last week. So uh, I'll probably be loading up even more on DeAndre Hopkins this week and sort of just fading Fuller because I think he's going to be uh, – he's probably going to be over-owned this week. But, you know, I certainly think this is a, another great matchup for him. So I definitely heard, uh, and it will be edited that way, Sean saying that he really dislikes Will Fuller. I'll be fading Will Fuller this week. I dislike him. Uh, Raybon, who are you fading this week? Brandon Cooks, I have him a little lower. I have him uh, kind of a fringe top 20 play this week, um, assuming he plays. Uh, I just don't like uh, how this Rams offense has kind of turned where Cooks is continuing to kind of be that big play down the field threat. But, you know, Jared Goff looking for his underneath options in terms of Higby, Everett, their their, uh, target shares are on the rise. And Cooks is getting a little bit left out. He's a bit more inconsistent than I think we'd like and a bit more inconsistent than he was when there was no Cooper Cup in the lineup. Um, I think we still kind of have those memories of every week it was Woods and Cooks. But remember, um, you know, the Rams played it three extra postseason games cup was out for I think eight nine games in the regular season so um you know that's kind of uh, I think uh, skewing Cook's true volume production and then the the San Francisco 49ers they don't give up uh, a lot of big plays they're they're ranked uh, in the top uh six in terms of explosive pass rate allowed um, and, and explosive run rate a lot as well. But Cooks might need one of those, one or two of those, uh, those sly sweeps uh, to go for like 10, 20 yards to really um, hit value where he's ranked uh, by consensus, which I think is uh, around 13, 14. I think this Niners defense just in general um, is a lot better than expected. Like not just because Baker Mayfield, you know, pooped all over his pants yesterday, but uh, I, think this is a <laughs> I think this is a strong San Francisco defense, especially that front. Uh, it's, it's a totally different defense than it was last year. So um, don't like the big play guy uh, against them necessarily. Yeah, Baker didn't poop just in his pants. He pooped all over his pants. He, he took his pants off after pooping in them and then pooped on the outside of them as well. Uh, most people wouldn't expect that kind of maneuver, but uh, it was something to behold. One player I'm relatively low on is Odell Beckham Jr. Just kind of down on this, uh, 
this Cleveland passing offense in general. And the big thing is that his volume has declined uh, in the, the past three weeks, in part because they just haven't been able to sustain drives. Uh, so just, you know, I'm not hugely down on him, but uh, downgrading him a, a little bit uh, progressively each week as this Browns offense shows us that it isn't what we expected it to be. Uh, Sean, earlier we talked about uh, the Minshew Chark connection. Give us a prop on DJ. Yeah, so my over-under for him right now is uh, 65 and a half yards. Going to say the over. I don't even uh, remember what my projection is. And honestly, I don't even remember the line you said. I'm just going to say over. Yeah, I'm going over too. I think people might not necessarily fade Chark, but... After the way Marshawn Lattimore pitched a shutout at Mike Evans last week, like people are going to be fearing that matchup. Like I'm not worried about it with Shark. I'll, I'll take the over on that. Uh, I'm going under. There is a bit of recency bias. Uh, I think it's both ways because I think people are going to remember the Evans goose egg. They're also remembering, you know, how well Chark has been playing. And I think um, he will continue to play well. But, um, you know, 65 yards, you know, that's a lot of yards for, for, for most wide receivers in this league. I could see him getting, you know, could still get four four catches for sixty and go under that. And if Lattimore really is on his game, then they they'll have to look to Conley and Westbrook, and they'll have a good matchup there with Westbrook. So um, there's also a potential, you know, the potential of the Saints. I know they played a high scoring game last week, but we also see, saw them play that twelve ten game uh, against Dallas. So there's a there's a potential for kind of a reduced play volume here. Uh, you know, the Jaguars are going to run the ball, and, and the Saints have Kamara, so. Uh, I, I like the under just by, by a hair. I, I think I agree with all of you. I, I think it's either going to be like 30 yards or 110. He has a pretty wide range of outcomes here. Yeah. Let's talk about the tight ends. We have Travis Kelsey, Austin Hooper, and George Kittle at the top of our rankings. Austin Hooper, man, it's it's the week for him. So, yes, he has somehow made it into the top three. Pat, where are you on your top three? I'm kind of stubbornly going Kelsey Kittle Ertz with Hooper just out of the mix at tight end four. Maybe that is the wrong way to go and that, you know, this tough matchup in Minnesota is going to be a drag on on Ertz. I still think he's the better player than Hooper. Trying not to let matchups sway me on this too much, but it's probably the wrong call. And as I mentioned before, in the Fantasy Pros Accuracy competition, I'm curr- currently sitting 97th on tight end. So <laughs> I'm not the guy you want to listen to for tight end advice. And, you know, if I've got Ertz over Hooper, know that that's the wrong call. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I struggled with it a little bit. That said, I have Hooper number one, so I didn't struggle with it all that much. But I think it's uh, more than reasonable to have your locked-in top three as the big three um, because those still are the guys who are likely to get a lot of volume and, uh, you know, they, in, in general, uh, can carry you most weeks. Uh, Pat, who are you high on this week uh, besides Zacherts? <laughs> It's just such a gross position that uh, I really struggled with this one. We were actually talking about Jeff Swaim before we started recording. And, uh, you know, with the James O'Shaughnessy ACL injury, how he might even be kind of a sneaky play and a guy I'm looking to pick up in like some tight end um, leagues that require you to use two tight ends. But then I saw that he was going against the uh, Saints this week, who are like the stingiest team in the league against tight ends. So I'm not really sure I have a good answer. Um, you know, I guess as gross as it is, if Devonte Adams is still out, 
the possibility of forced volume for Jimmy Graham, even though he's basically just a corpse out there these days. But there is enhanced touchdown volume if Adams remains out. Like the the TD prospects and odds definitely go up there. So uh, as bad as it is, I just don't have a better answer. I'll go with Jimmy Graham. All right, Sean, who are you looking at here? Austin Hooper, baby. I mean, I've been waiting for this. Uh, I didn't nominate him last week just so I could have him this week. He is currently the uh, number one overall tight end. And, you know, like I said, I, I don't think we've really seen his upside in the red zone quite yet. Last week they, they had a play. Um, it was a two-point conversion where he caught it. Um, and I think they're, they're going to use him a lot more in the red zone. So, you know, this week the matchup against Cardinals, you mentioned it, this is a dream matchup. Um, now, I'm not bold enough to have number one. So if, if you want to have some side action where I get Kelsey and you get Hooper, I, I'd be willing to do that because I still think Kelsey's number one, but I, I think Hooper's a top three tight end this week for sure. By the way, you should just know that I am always wrong about Austin Hooper. Yeah, so Hooper has been popping up in the Fantasy Labs models each week. And the, the first time it happened, uh, actually, so he was in there in week one, not in week two. He was, again, popping in the models in week three. I'm quoting, this is what I wrote. In full disclosure, I'm not that interested in him. Definitely not in cash, almost certainly not in tournaments. Hooper's just the type of tight end I never want to roster. And then since then, he has just exploded. And uh, it's painful that I, I know that I wrote that. Raybon, who are you relatively high on? So this one is going to come, I think, a little out of left field. But uh, Dallas Goddard, you know, Pat mentioned Ertz. And the Vikings are actually a pretty solid matchup. Uh, four tight ends. They've been giving up some volume uh, to the position. And I do think they'll pay some attention to Ertz, but um, Goddard actually played, uh, he ran like over 50% uh, of the routes last week. And that was up from early in the season where he was in that 20, 30% range kind of coming off injury. So uh, I think this is a week where um, you, you try to kind of get some of those matchups, uh, you know, against the Vikings. And, and, and uh, I have Goddard just because of that increased uh, route rate, which I think will continue because I think that was the plan coming into the season. They kind of said, hey, we want to play more two tight end. Looks like Deshaun Jackson's still going to miss. Uh, you know, no one's really stepped up majorly at the wide receiver position, uh, you know, alongside Jeffrey and Aguilar. You know, our Seagull Whiteside still looks kind of green and, and Hollins has been serviceable. But, uh, you know, Minnesota's long been a team where you try to keep them in base personnel and get some of the matchups, um, you know, uh, in, in that way. And that's how you kind of beat them. So I have Goddard at number 14. Uh, in terms of the tight ends this week, which is uh, well ahead of consensus, which has him at uh, 21. All right, Pat, who are you relatively low on this week? Part of the reason I've been so bad at ranking tight ends this year is that I've stubbornly clung to the belief that O.J. Howard is a tight end one and that Bruce Arians doesn't really hate tight ends. And, uh, you know, it seems like I've been uh, proven wrong on that. And maybe Jameis Winston doesn't hate tight ends, but if he digs one, it's really more Cameron Brait than uh, OJ Howard. 14 targets in five games. Um, I've just been really frustrated with that. So whereas the ECR for him puts him just inside TE1 range at uh, TE12, I've got him at TE15 this week. So uh, expect the OJ Howard breakouts in week five, in week six. Uh, if it's any uh, compensation, which it probably isn't. This is probably a horrible sign for you. I'm actually right there with you on O.J. Howard. Uh, he's had little volume, and the Panthers are a tough matchup. So I'm with you in that I am going against O.J. Howard this week. So uh, breakout incoming. Sean, who are you relatively down on? Uh, I would say by default, Zach Ertz. 
Um, you know, he's not somebody top three this week, which is pretty rare. You know, I kind of like the Goddard call by Raybon. That has me thinking. But, um, you know, just to, I have Wentz uh, QB 18. This is going to be a much lower scoring game. You know, I don't know if DJ DJX is going to return this game. But, you know, just getting all the weapons back is going to hurt um, Ertz's um, target volume. So he's just the guy I'm a little bit down this week. And he's, he's more expensive than all these other tight ends that I uh, – let's see. Like, uh, he's more expensive than Hooper and Kittle. So just, you know, full, complete fade for me on Earth this week. Raybon, what about you? Tyra Eifert, damn him. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, but uh, Baltimore, I kind of mentioned it earlier. They've been going through some things in their secondary, their corner situation. They've been uh, exploitable down the field with wide receivers. Uh, one thing, you know, that, that's kind of translated into teams aren't really throwing to the backs and the tight ends as much against Baltimore. Uh, you know, only 16% of the targets going to, to tight ends against Baltimore. The league average is 20%. And, uh, you know, 16% to running backs in the league average is also 20, 21%. So uh, Eifert, uh, again, we saw him get out-routed last week by uh, Usoma. And it's just hard to, you know, week to week to predict. So uh, he, he projects for under a 50% route rate. So he's actually outside of my top 20 right now. Uh, I'm not sure he kind of edges his way back in either. All right, Sean, what do you have for us on the prop front? Uh, so I'm going with Gerald Everett, total receiving yards. Um, he, he seems to be in the midst of a year three breakout, so curious to hear if you guys are over under this prop. I'm going to go with 30, 34 and a half yards. I'll take the under. I think that's a really good line, though. I have uh, 33 and a half. Yeah, I'm going under. If you look at the recency bias, you know, coming off the big game in primetime, a game where it was just a ridiculous game script. And they, they, you know, they had two in a row really where they just kind of shoot out. Um, We don't know if that's going to happen this week, but also you look at San Francisco uh, number one in uh, pass success rate allowed versus tight ends. Uh, Number one in yard per target allowed to tight ends, just 4.8. So San Francisco has done well at shutting down that position. So uh, I think the, the odds are that he goes, uh, just under probably 2.5 catches, uh, two or three catches and, and just under. Yeah. Jaquiski Tart, underrated defender against tight ends. I'll, I'll be contrarian on this one and take the over since I mentioned my bullishness on the Rams uh, this week and just what a good spot I think it is. Plus, it seems like they have been kind of using the tight ends in some of the roles that they used to uh, use Gurley in the passing game. Some of those uh, interesting middle screens, you know, there's always the danger that Everett is going to lose some of the tight end work to Tyler Higby, but um, you know things have been kind of trending up for him and tight end usage in general in this offense. So leaning just slightly towards over on that. All right, let's uh, close this out by hitting on those fantasy questions on Twitter. Fitz, this is for you. It is from Aditya Gadgil. Talk about trade targets, buy lows, and sell highs. So is there anyone in particular you're thinking about trading for and then some guys uh, you're looking to sell and looking to buy? Like, I think DK Metcalf, this is a pretty good time to get in on him. Just physically, he is a mismatch for any defender he comes up against. And, you know, he hasn't quite gotten the targets yet, but I think he's going to maybe start forcing the issue a little bit. We saw him catch the long touchdown against the Rams last week. I do think this is kind of the time to buy in on him. And I don't know if this is so much a sell high as so much of a sell low, but like I'm, I'm definitely concerned about Juju Smith-Schuster and I know that pains you, Matt. It just is not setting up well for him with the way things have gone at the quarterback position and it seems like it's going to be a fight for him to get even these 60 or 70 yard games every week. When he's had the good weeks, it's been done with just max 
off the charts efficiency. So like if you can still get some value for the name brand there, I would take it. All right, Sean, this is from Matt Greathouse. What should I do with AJ Green? Will he play this year? <laughs> well, before the season started, I, I kind of anticipated he's going to miss possibly more than four games. So I'm not overly concerned yet. You know, it is unfortunate the Bengals are doing so bad. There isn't really a need to rush him back. Um, I think he's a possible in-season trade candidate, possibly to a contender. Um, so if you've been hanging on to him this long, definitely keep him. If or when he does play, he's going to be an automatic start. Um, and those are the kind of players you should have on your bench. You know, are, are you going to have Debo Samuel just wasting away on your bench? No. You know, a guy like AJ Green, especially if you're, you know, 5-0 and or 4-1, and you absolutely need to hang on with him. Just wait it out. Um, if, if you happen to, you know, stumble into some bye week issues coming up, um, maybe try him away. But I, I think if you've held on this long, no reason to do anything other than just hold him out because that, that's a great guy to have on your bench right now. Raymond, this is from William Reese. Can you rank these three tight ends for the rest of the season? OJ Howard, Chris Herndon, Gerald Everett. Uh, I would go in that order, actually. Uh, listen, Howard's had a tough start to the season. Uh, I think, you know, the pendulum will start to swing in his direction because you look at what the Bucks have going and they have two receivers in Godwin and Evans that are going to get about a 50% target share. But, you know, aside from Agun Bawale, they don't, they don't really throw to the running back. Uh, Brashad Perriman has struggled to, to draw targets uh, on the other side of, of those two receivers. So, uh, and, and Howard's always been an efficient guy. So I think that the pendulum will start to swing in his favor. Cameron Bray is obviously not ideal, but, you know, the, the Bucks aren't the only team that, you know, kind of plays two tight ends. It's just been, it's been a struggle, uh, but tight ends are volatile. I just don't trust Adam Gase. I don't know what he's doing. He's never been – or he hasn't been good with tight ends in, in, a, in a while. Um, he used to have that reputation, but now he's saying he wants to ease Herndon back in in this Jets quarterback situation, whether it's Darnold. I mean, you have Le'Veon Bell, you have Crowder. Demarius Thomas got a ton of targets. I just don't know if you're going to be able to rely on Herndon, and he's going to have a lower uh, touchdown projection from week to week than a guy like Howard. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I'd go in that order, Howard first. All right, Fitz, this is from Ali. Uh, I have both Fuller and Hopkins along with Evans and Galladay. Who would you trade for a starting running back? I'd trade Hopkins just because you've got to break up that Texan situation and he would bring the most name brand value, even though maybe you're selling him at uh, a low point. But then again, maybe coming off – Coming off the big game, hey, if people are going to spike fuller in value, you know, I, I think you kind of calibrate what sort of running back you're aiming for with which of the two Texans receivers you're willing to deal. If Ali finds that, you know, he's getting better than expected offers or could get a better than expected return for fuller coming off the huge game, do something on that front. And, you know, if, if people still believe in Hopkins and are still willing to treat him like the, you know, high end wide receiver one that he is. Uh, and uh, you can get, you know, a, a quality, real quality running back one type, then take that. All right, Pat, what content of yours should people check out and where can they find it? Check out the weekly rankings posted every Tuesday morning at thefootballgirl.com. And uh, they can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone, be sure to follow Pat on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Be sure to check out his podcast. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode.